Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamp, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 364 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by former heavyweight world title challenger, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, my man? I'm doing good, my man. How about you? All good, my friend. All good. Always good when speaking with you. Slight bit of a sore throat, so I'm going to try to take things easy. But, um, yeah, aside from that, everything is all good. In part one, we're actually going to do the review part and the news. Then welcome our special guest, which will be Harlem Eubank fighting this weekend. Of course, the cousin of Chris Eubank Jr. We'll be speaking to him in a few moments. And then in part two, it's going to be the preview part because there's really not much at all to review. Um, So yeah, we're going to dive straight into the review part. There was supposed to be a card taking place on the weekend that got cancelled. We mentioned it as well last week. Dusty Hernandez Harrison, his father, Buddy Harrison, um was 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 fatally shot um and yeah there was obviously a gathering to you know to reminisce on his life and it was a candlelight uh, vigil and um that went ahead and dusty was intending to fight on the weekend but no the the card in the end got pulled and anthony peterson was supposed to be on that undercard but the entire card like i say got pulled the only fight that did end up happening um, is the one that took place at the Auditorio Municipal Fausto Gutierrez Moreno in Tijuana, Baja California, Mexico. No Spanish-Mexican accent from me this week due to the sore throat, so I'm not sure if people are going to be happy about that. Maybe they're going to enjoy the fact I'm not doing it, because maybe it annoys some people, I don't know. i just like to, you know display it every time I get a chance to, mainly just for Eddie, but um, anyway, this one took place in Mexico, um, Luis Neri was set to be taking on Jesus Garcia, but in the end, he pulled out the fight, I'm not sure what happened there, but in stepped a late replacement, David Carmona, and David Carmona was knocked out in three rounds, so Luis Neri now 33-1, and one. Um, that was it, like I say, for the review part. So, yeah, there really wasn't too much at all to go over there. Moving on to the news part then, before we wrap up this bit and welcome our special guest. This piece of news is where I'm going to start here. Joe Cordina has been stripped by the IBF. Um, he suffered a hand injury in training, and he was set to be taking on Shavkat Rakimov on um, November 5th in Abu Dhabi. That one's now off, and the IBF have actually like I say, stripped Joe Cordina, which has caused a lot of um, discussions online now because a lot of people are saying, wow, the IBF are a bit harsh here. I mean, the guy's injured. Like, he's posted a picture of his hand. It looks absolutely horrendous. Looks like um, the kind of hand that you'd put on for for Halloween when when you go knocking on people's doors. Like, it it, it literally looks horrendous, his hand. And um, 
you know, he's injured. He's legitimately injured, can't have the fight due to injury, so why is he being stripped? But then, apparently there was some kind of agreement in place for when he boxed Kenichi Ogawa for the title, that no matter what, the winner had to take on Rakimov on, or by the end of the year, I think it was, and obviously Cordina's not going to be able to fulfil that obligation, and therefore he's been stripped, so yeah, it seems a bit mad, but... It is what it is. Um, in other news, what else do we have? What else do we have? Um, Richardson Hitchens will be taking on Yomar Alamo for the IBF North American Super Lightweight title. That's going to be the, co- uh, the co-main event of Montana Love getting in with Steve Spark for the WBA Intercontinental Super Lightweight title. Again, the date for that, Saturday, November 12th at the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in Cleveland, Ohio. It's going to be live on the zone, obviously, a matchroom card there. In other news, what else do we have? Um, this is a mad fight, actually. November the 12th, we're going to see the UK's Denzel Bentley coming off a great win a few weeks back over Marcus Morrison. He goes out to the States to take on the the Kazakh danger man, Janibek Alimkanuli, who... Of course, dispatched of Danny Dignam in pretty brutal fashion. And a lot of people say that Demetrius Andre decided to, you know, move out the way of Janabek and move up to the weight class above to stay out of his way. Um, that's just speculation, of course. But yeah, Alim Kanuli, a southpaw power puncher, he's a serious, serious problem. And yeah, I mean, who would want to fight him? But credit to Denzel Bentley for, for, um, for stepping up here. And it is going down, by the way. At the Pearl Concert Theatre, I haven't heard of this place, at Palms Casino in Las Vegas. And also on the undercard in the co-main event, Sinisa Estrada, the uh, the female that looks a lot like Jennifer Lopez, but obviously hits about as hard as Tiafimo Lopez. Um, she will be defending her WBA minimum weight world title against Jasmine Gallaverino, or Villarino, I should say. Um, do we have anything else at this point? Yes, the final piece of news. Maurizio Lara obviously was supposed to have been fighting uh, Lee Wood. He will be fighting on October 22nd, so not too long now to go. He gets in with Jose San Martin. That one's going to be, like I say, October 22nd in Mexico City live on DAZN. That's that's the headliner there. Um few other fights on the undercard. Not really anything massive, to be honest. Reshat Matty on the undercard. Anyway, that wraps up the the uh, the the news part of the show. So we've we've done things a little bit different here in part one. The the first part, of course, was the review part. Nothing really to mention, just the one card. And then the news part, I've just wrapped up there. The final thing for me to do before we wrap up part one is to welcome this week's special guest. Please note that this interview was recorded before the news broke that Conor Ben had fouled a VADA drugs test. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated super lightweight prospect is, of course, Mr. Harlem Eubank. Harlem, welcome back on the show once again, my man. Thanks for having me, man. So, Harlem, we last spoke back in May. It was just after you'd beaten Sean Masher Dodd. Since then, you have boxed the one time. Obviously, that, that mad fight against Elliot Chavez in Newcastle back in July. Uh, your opponent was, was disqualified in, in round, nine of, round 9 of a 10-rounder, I should say. Um, just briefly, sum that fight up for me, because um, 
it was mad, obviously. And yeah, what was it like to be on the receiving end of some of those dirty tactics by the Mex by the Mexican? Yeah, it was pretty pretty crazy experience. You know, I I was out boxing him nice and cleanly, and um, yeah, he obviously felt like he had no other way to turn the tide other than trying to to strike after the the break. Um, so yeah, it was the first time I've really come across that. So. Um, yeah, it was something else to to deal with and overcome and and come back come back firing stronger really. Yeah, because obviously that that um you know when he when he was hitting you on the break the first time when you went down it was you know you went down quite heavy quite honestly you could have you could have and possibly should have stayed down you'd have got a DQ obviously. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that was definitely an option, but I wanted to you know that's not what I'm about. I'm, yeah. I'm, I want to go out firing, and um, the dirty tactics only made me want to kind of punish him more. So I um, wanted to continue and and uh, come back with with my Alex and uh, yeah, and punish him. And um, that's what I continued to do. And then he he came back and and uh, done the same again. So at that point, the referee you know took it into his hands. And obviously, your next fight takes place this weekend at the O2 as part of that Eubank Ben undercard. You'll be boxing Spain's David Campillo. Um, his record, 11 and 3 with a draw. The mad thing, though, of course, is that all three of his losses are against guys who have now retired. It's a weird statistic. H- how much trouble have you had finding tape of the guy, or do you not really watch tape, Harlem? I haven't found much of him, but I don't think there's too much available of him uh, either. But. I don't really <clears throat> study my opponents too much. Um, I get a kind of basic understanding of the style and and um, just apply my... Um, I know just applying my best performance um, will be enough and, you know, figure them out early on and, and um, yeah, get, get a, a grip to them throughout the fight. That's usually the the tactics I apply. I don't study too much and overthink. Uh, <clears throat> they do that. I just get an idea of what type of fighter they are, what um, what what basic kind of style they use, and um, yeah, apply apply my style to that. And he himself, he took about six and a half years um, out of boxing from late 2015 to 2022. Since coming back, he's had one fight. He won the one fight. Are you looking to make a statement against this guy and get him out of there um, within the six rounds? I know it's only a six-rounder. Yeah, I mean, I'm always looking to to make a statement when I fight, whether that's stopping the guy or or boxing. Um you know, to the best of my ability, but I'm always looking to put in a statement and show what I can do. And <clears throat> and um, if that results in a devastating knockout or a, or a clinical boxing performance, I'm I'm happy either way. But that's uh, down to down to what happens in the fight. And obviously, this kind of opponent isn't the kind of guy you're particularly. Uh, setting your sights on is there perhaps something bigger on the horizon uh, in the near future at all yeah definitely i think um this one was kind of in quick succession um of the last one and i think there's one not shortly on the horizon after so it's um yeah it's it's building towards you know big 
big title fights um, as far as I can see it you know towards the end of the year and um, early next year there's going to be some, some big fights but yeah it's, I'm, I'm having a lot in quick succession and um, this is what I need to develop to develop the craft and, and um, yeah make sure everything's polished for, for them big fights no, without a doubt. And your cousin Chris, of course, tops the bill, as we mentioned. He takes on Conor Ben. Um, being as non-biased as possible, how much of a chance do you give Conor Ben here? Because quite honestly, most people I've spoken to don't really give him a chance at all. And they're, they're people that obviously aren't related to the Eubanks. But how do you feel? Mm. What, what do you think his chances are? I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of casuals are giving him a big chance in this fight. Like when I look online, it's the comment sections, and it it really looks like most people are for Conor Ben, you know, in terms of their predictions or whether they just I don't know if they just want Chris to lose or or whether they really think that Ben's gonna cause an upset or whatever. But that's the that's what I'm seeing online. But I think it's I think it's uh, it's gonna be I, I can't. I can't see any way that that um, Chris doesn't come out on top in this fight. And we've all seen the videos Chris has been posting of himself eating all kinds of delicious-looking food. Um, some people, <laughs> some people felt like those videos were um, maybe recorded outside of training camp and only posted in training camp at some kind of attempt at mind games. Um, it doesn't look the case. I, I saw him with Salt Bay. He was even saying sixty percent. Um, what do you make of it? <laughs> yeah, it's just his, his humour, isn't it? It's his personality. He he, uh, he enjoys the uh, the whole. People think he has to starve, um, you know, narrative, and he enjoys kind of mocking that and and uh, <laughs> doing what he likes, pretty much. Um, but what is a mill you know, a mill like that when you're you're disciplined throughout your your day and your weeks, you know, I mean what, what how much difference does a, a cheap mill make really? So, um yeah, he's enjoying himself and uh I think a, a lot of people are seeing a different side to his character and seeing some humour and you know, a lot of the comments are like Stop making me like you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he's done it. No, certainly, certainly. <laughs> and um, on the complete other hand, we've got obviously Chris Eubanks Senior telling people this week to boycott the event, saying that getting to 157 could be placing Chris Junior in a lot of danger. Um, Chris Senior mentioned, um, you know, brain injuries and stuff like that, which was kind of strong and a bit like whoa. Um, what do you make of that, Harlem? Um, I think I think Senior uh, has a lot of stuff going on, you know, outside of boxing. And uh, at the end of the day, he's he's a father that's you know maybe concerned um, about the weight and concerned what effect it can have. And you know he's seen different types of trauma within boxing and. I think he's he's speaking as more as just a concerned father outside of boxing rather than um you know someone that's really into this fight and and uh yeah rather than having his boxing head on I think he's he has his uh 
you know his father's head on and and um it's understandable yeah no for sure and the other time you both boxed on the same card um back in cardiff you seem to bring the magic out of each other are we going to see the eubank steal the show once again 100% i think um someone threw a stat at me on the last part of card that i was the only one on the bill to get the stoppage I that think. was me <laughs> uh, was that you yeah. yeah that was you yeah so 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 let's see let's see this time but i think you know i think i'm gonna uh i'm gonna open the show in in fashion and chris is gonna close it in fashion and i think it's gonna be a yeah i think it's gonna be a team eubank celebration how is everyone in the gym getting on as well i almost forget um, everyone who trains in the gym these days, but I know that obviously you've got um, Michael Conlon in the gym, Josh Kelly. Yeah. How's everyone getting on? Yeah, everyone's good. Everyone's got their own dates and targets locked in. Um, most people were out the gym for this build-up, really. Um, I stayed in the gym since the last fight, so it's kind of been um, obviously Mick fought um the week after me so he's he's uh you know had his his little break and while I was kind of ticking over hoping to fight on this one um so it's kind of been a quiet build up um Abbas is just getting back into the gym um Mick's been back a, a few weeks now kind of just as I've been tailoring tailoring up and now tailoring off and uh Josh is um, started ticking over kind of you know as of ju- kind of towards the end of my uh, peak as well so in um yeah it's been it's been uh, slightly different to, to normal having everyone in but um obviously Shannon's been in preparing for this one as well so um yeah it's just been focused on kind of what I'm doing really and maybe a bit less camaraderie than usual with everyone firing off everyone but um still a good camp nonetheless fantastic man and just finally Harlan before I let you go if you've got any closing words to the listeners say whatever you like before we let you go my man yeah follow me on uh every platform Facebook Instagram Twitter Harlem Eubank straight through and um yeah, um, look forward to an exciting fight come 8th October. And um, yeah, I've continued to follow my career on from that. Okay, listen, Harlem, as always, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, my man. Thanks for your time. Best of luck Saturday, and we'll speak sometime after. Nice one, Joe. Thank you, man. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part of the show. We're going to start here with this one. It takes place tomorrow, Friday, October 7th, at the White Sands Event Center in Plant City, Florida, USA. Over here, Kanzu returns to the ring. I think that's got to be the first time he's boxed since losing to Lee Wood. He is 18-3 and three in a 10-rounder here against Brandon Benitez, who's 18-2. and two. Um, On the undercard as well, Kanat Islam, 28-1, and one, getting in with Javier Maciel, who's 34-17. and 17. That's over eight rounds there. Moving out now to this one here, which is a brilliant fight that's kind of gone under the radar. I'm hoping we're going to be able to see it somewhere in the UK. But anyway, it's at the Newcastle Entertainment Centre in Broadmeadow, Newcastle, New South Wales, Australia. Over here, 
I think it's going to be a great fight. Sam Eggington, 32-7. and seven. You almost don't need to hear who he's even fighting, to be honest, because Sam Eggington's never in a dull fight. Absolutely never. But he gets in with Dennis Hogan, who's 30-4 and four with a draw. Um, I think it's a tough, tough fight for Sam Eggington, to be honest, this one here. I could be wrong. Hopefully he wins. He's a friend of the show, of course. But Dennis Hogan... Ever so tough. We've seen him in there with the likes of Jack Kulkai, the likes of Jaime Mungia, when he lost a majority decision that really could have gone his way. Then he lost to Jamal, Char- uh, Jamal Charlo sorry, and Tim Sue after that. But he has put together two wins in a row now um, coming into this. And he also was able to beat Jimmy Kelly, who put in a good performance against Mungia um, after that. So, yeah, I think it's a tough fight for Sam Eggington, really. Um... Yeah, I think that's that's going to be really interesting. Um, I hope that you know that that he wins, of course. And I'm wondering how how he how he travels. Is he a good traveller, Sam Eggington? I can't think of him coming out of the UK to have a fight as a as a, as a pro uh, somewhere else aside from the UK. Maybe he might have found himself over in France or Spain at some point. I can't remember off the top of my head, but this is a long way away from home, and obviously there's a lot to adjust to in terms of the climate change, the time zone, all the rest of it. So all the best there to Sam, the Savage Eggington, in what will be his 40th pro fight. Moving out now to, undoubtedly, the big one uh, this weekend. It, of course, takes place at the O2 Arena in Greenwich, London, over here. Let's start with the undercard first. I'm going to run through this. Friend of the show, Lyndon Arthur, 20-1 and one in um, in a fight here against Cesar Reynoso, who's 17-17 and 17 with four draws. Lyndon Arthur, I think, boxed about two weeks ago. So, um, yeah, it's going to be good to see him back out, even though the opponent isn't great, it's going to be someone to um, I guess, beat up quite easily getting that last little payday before the end of the year, and come back stronger next year, um, good guy is Lyndon Arthur by the way uh, Shannon Courtney makes her ring return, I think she's been out for quite a long time she's 7-2, and two. she gets in with, with um, Gemma Roog, who's 5-4 who's, um, and four. Um, also on the card, we just spoke to him a few moments ago. It's a six-rounder here. Harlem Eubank, 15-0, getting in with David Campillo, who's 11-3 with a draw. All three guys that he's lost to, though, have now retired from the sport. And um, he himself had about six and a half years out of the ring. He returned back in um, earlier this year, 2022, after being out um, since... Um, 2015, so he himself had a massive long break there. He's come back with one win since that huge hiatus. Elsewhere on the card, Chloe Watson, who is currently 3-0, gets in with Nancy Franco, who's 19-17 and 17 with two draws. That's over six two-minute rounds there. We also have Galau Yafai defending his WBC international flyweight title. He's 2-0. He gets in with Gohan Garcia, who's 12-1 with a draw. We've got Felix Cash, 15-0, getting in with Connor Coyle, who's 17-0. That one's for the WBA intercontinental middleweight title, which is currently vacant. I feel like it's been ages since I've said this, but somebody's O must go. Um... Elsewhere on the card for the EBU European Super Bantamweight title, Spain's Mary Romero, the current champion, 8-2, gets in with the undefeated um, Ellie Scottney, who's 5-0 of Catford. That's over 10 two-minute rounds there. All the best to Ellie Scottney. And then the main event, 
the main fight of the weekend by Miles. Chris Eubank Jr., 32-2. This fight here, of course, takes place at 157 pounds. He gets in with Connor Ben, who really is a welterweight. Chris Eubank Jr. has weighed in as high as 168. Connor Ben, like I say, 21-0. Um, yeah, it's a fight that I don't think either guy needed, you know, for their careers to to you know to 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 take off. Obviously, Eubank has had a career that's been quite decent up to this point. I say decent. I don't say good or perfect or anything like that. He's had a decent career. You know, he's he's gotten some big opportunities, some that he probably didn't deserve. Um, I don't think he's been in there with the names that we want to see him in with. This is another example of a name we don't want to see him in there with, to be totally honest, if you're if you're a hardcore boxing fan. Otherwise, if you're a casual boxing fan and people like Conor Ben and Chris Eubank Jr. are huge names to you, and you've never heard of the likes of Gennady Golovkin, um, Charlo, Andrade, and all the rest of those guys, then, then yeah, maybe you think this is a fantastic fight. But I don't. I think this is... A little bit uncalled for. I think that Eubank Jr. pretty much fights for money. I think that's his motivation. I don't think he gives a damn about becoming a world champion. I think it's all about money and image for him. Um, as for Conor Ben, he's still undefeated. He's 21-0. I think he's probably one of the most um, improved fighters probably in the entire world of boxing. Because if you, um, if you saw his fights when he first turned pro, he was really, really shaky. He was really... Um, you know, unimpressive, actually, I'd go as far to say, you know, having really close fights against journeymen and stuff like that, but since then, he's come on leaps and bounds, he's turned into a really good fighter, he's gotten some really good names out of there, but the step-ups have been very steady and very cautious and very careful, and this almost rips up the work they've put in to get him to the position he's in, because he's ranked in all the governing bodies and stuff. This guy is a guy who's right up there in the top five or whatever, you know, in line to take on the likes of a Crawford or or a Spence, the, the two top guys at the minute at 147. Um, so, yeah, he gets in here with Eubank Jr. Maybe it's to buy some time because he'd probably, well, he'd definitely lose to, U, to um, Crawford or Spence. So maybe this is a fight that he's going to have to kind of probably keep his position at welterweight, and I guess if he lost badly or in any fashion whatsoever to Eubank, it probably wouldn't affect his business down at 147. So maybe this is just a little bit of a money grab where he doesn't have much to lose in terms of his business at 147, but he does have his O to protect, and I think he's done really well to, like I say, get to 21-0. Um, so they've done a fantastic job with him up to this point. Um, but yeah, like I say, that they've been weight classes apart for a reason. I've always felt that Eubank's too big. There's always been talk of this fight happening from when they both when they both kind of turned pro, or I should say when Conor Ben turned pro because he turned pro after Eubank. But um, when they when when Conor Ben turned pro, there was talk of oh my god, imagine if that fight could happen. And all along, we've always said Eubank is far too experienced for him, far too big for him. It's, it's just unrealistic, you know, it's great that their dads had such a rivalry, but we can't continue it with the sons, they're just, it's just not going to happen, it doesn't make any sense at all, but they are making it happen, and I still don't think it makes much sense, that's why I say it's a fight, I don't think either of them really need, um, Eubank is probably here for the money, Conor Ben, I do really truly believe, um, wants to become a world champion, 
and he, they've been so smart with him up until this point. I think this is a really bad mistake, but obviously he's going to get paid handsomely for it. How do you see it, Eddie? Man, very, uh, very interesting fight. <laughs> I mean, if you, you look at their fathers, man, that, that, it was a hell of a rivalry between them, but I do agree. The size difference just is always going to be something that people are going to look at. And, you know, it's it's unfortunate for Chris Eubank because, you know, he's the bigger guy. So most people would expect, oh, well, he's the bigger guy. You know what I mean? He's closer to his weight. And like you said, he's fought up to 168 pounds. This is going to be an advantage for him. And it's really going to be like uh, Conor Ben really doesn't have much to lose in this. It's a win-win for him. If he wins the fight, awesome. He loses the fight, well, he fought a big guy. And with Chris Eubank, is like, well, if he wins the fight, well, you beat a little guy. And if he loses, oh, you lost to a little guy. You're just, you're finished. So it's it's a really bad situation, I think, for Chris Eubank. And that's why I think his dad, and I was, I was listening and reading up on it and finding out a bit about it more than just, you know, hearing the names. And his dad is not even in favor of him taking the fight, which I understand. If you look at it from a business aspect and even from looking at his at his career and the future of it, you don't want to put yourself in a situation like this. You know what I mean? It's, it, it is really nothing good that can come of it for him, you know, with, with the expect, exception of the money. You know what I mean? He's going to make a little bit of money here. But um, and also the way he's talking about it, he's like, he shouldn't even be in a ring with me. You know, he's a, he's a smaller guy, but that's, you know, just he's just not on my level. He's not even on the level of the guys I've lost to and blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, maybe that's the truth. But if it is and you go in there and lose to him, especially after talking like this and, you know, then you being a bigger guy and all it is, it, it's going to really look bad for the rest of his career. So I understand why his dad is like, I don't really want to I don't really th- I don't really think you should be taking this fight because it really just puts him in a bad spot and in, in so many ways and it's just like why would you do this to yourself but i mean look for british boxing and 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 for the history and of his father above both their fathers and the rivalry they had it just looks great it's an exciting thing and it, it's more so for the fans than it is honestly for the fighters um obviously i think uh connor ben stands the game more obviously uh but Really, at the end of the day, you know, you don't want to get damaged in there and he's fighting the bigger guy and say if Chris Eubank comes out there and just bombs him out, can't be good for him even there. So, you know, it's just a it's 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 a rough situation, but I think the fans win because you at least get to see the fantasy matchup have actually take place. Um, but for Chris Eubank, I think he's just he's just got the EG short scroll with this one. It's just it's just gonna be it's gonna be a tough one. Yeah, and I'm kind of excited to see how the fight's going to play out in terms of the style clash because Conor Ben does deliver in terms of entertainment, whereas Eubank at times can fade away a little bit. And, um, you know, some people like to say he tries to pretend he's Roy Jones Jr. and, you know, he starts kind of taking rounds off and, you know, posturing and, you know, walking around the ring. And it just doesn't really... uh, it doesn't look that good, and, you know, some people think that he could let round slip away if he, you know, starts acting like that while Ben tries to force the fight. He can end up losing so many rounds because, you know, he's not on his game that maybe Ben could have it quite close on the cards. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm really not sure how it's going to go. I think if I had to put my money on something, I'd probably say... I mean, I'm, I'm completely with Eubank 
Junior to win. And I think that's certainly going to happen. But whether it's going to be by stoppage or by or by points, I'd probably lean towards a stoppage. I think Connor Ben. You think about the best opponents he's been in with. It's, it's all those kind of guys like Samuel Vargas and um, Adrian Granados and Chris Algieri. You know, one forty fighters really. Um, he has knocked most of them out, so good for him, and that's impressive to think where he's come from to now. But he's fighting a middleweight, you know, and yeah, he's a, he's a little bit depleted, having to go to one fifty seven and all the rest of it, and. You know, the hydration, they're not letting him hydrate too he- too heavy and stuff. So, I think they've tried to give Conor Ben as big of an advantage as they possibly could have. But I still think it's not going to be enough. I mean, he's fighting a much bigger guy, really. And, um, yeah, I don't think going to 157 is going to deplete Eubank enough where he's going to, um, you know not look himself, and I think he will have the bit between his teeth, even though we've seen him posting pictures of himself and videos of of himself eating Kentucky Fried Chicken and other um, lovely-looking food. I don't think, you know, he's not showing us the hard training that we know he puts in. I think he does have the bit between his teeth. I think he will try to um, make a statement here, and, um, you know, a lot of people are actually thinking he's going to lose, so I think that kind of stuff is what he needs to motivate him and fuel him, and I think we're going to see a good... Uh, performance from Eubank Jr. I think he's going to put on a bit of a demolition display. And yeah, just, I mean, you can't compare Chris Algieri to Chris Eubank. I mean, you just can't. And that, that I mean, this is a wild step up for Conor Ben, who, as I keep saying, was manoeuvred so carefully to get into the position he's in. They've built him, you know, perfectly. They haven't put a foot wrong. And I can't understand why they're choosing to do this. It has to be for the money. There's nothing else to gain from it. It is bizarre. It is bizarre. Um, but yeah, I think I'd probably go with a Chris Eubank stoppage um, late in the fight, second half of the fight. Maybe, yeah, I'd be surprised if it was if it was in the first half. But I mean, Conor Ben's not been in with anyone like this. I don't care what anyone says. Um, Okay, that's that card there. Moving out now to the final one. It takes place at the Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California. Over here, we've got, on the undercard, Gabriela Fandora, 8-0 in a 10-2-minute round contest against Naomi Reyes, who's 9-1. Despite having uh, 10 fights to her name, she's never actually been 10 rounds. So this will be the first time Reyes goes 10 rounds. Um, Fandora, obviously, the sister of... Um, Sebastian Fundora, the towering inferno. Elsewhere on the card, let's talk about this one here. Fernando Martinez, who's 14 and 0, a fighter here from Argentina, only five foot two, um, only obviously a super flyweight. He gets in with Jerwin Ancajas, who's 33 and two with two draws these days. Ancajas, in his last fight, boxed Martinez and lost unanimously, lost his world title to Martinez. So he gets a shot at it here again. So I'm guessing there must have been a rematch clause there. Can't say I remember watching the first fight to be honest with you elsewhere on the card carlos adames who's 21 and 1 fights here for the wbc interim world middleweight title against former charlo opponent juan macias montiel 23 and 5 with two draws um i've always liked carlos adames to be honest with you but it was a bit of a shock when he lost to patrick texera back in 2019 um since then you know, he's he's put together a couple decent wins. One particularly good win against Sergei Derevyanchenko. Montiel, 
really known as a banger because all 23 people he's beaten he's knocked out and his five losses have obviously come to higher opposition like the the, the likes of um, Mungia and Charlo stuff like that but he gave a good account of himself against um, Jamal Charlo it was actually um, a really good fight when it was not expected to be good at all if my memory serves me right so um could be quite juicy there. It's a decent undercard fight for sure. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's definitely an undercard fight. And also on the undercard, Igis Kavalowskis, Eddie, the mean machine, 22-2 and with a draw. Hasn't boxed since 14 months ago against Virgil Ortiz Jr. when he was knocked out in what was a really fun fight while it lasted. Um, the fight before that, of course, he was able to beat Mikulzuski in the bubble during COVID. That was a fight where I think he was behind on the cards at the time of the stoppage, so he needed that stoppage to, to get the win. And the fight before that was when he lost to Terence Crawford. So he's not in the best form, really, the mean machine, Igis Kavalowskis, but he steps in with Michael Fox, friend of the show, 22-3, and three, um, hasn't boxed as well for 14 months uh, when, he, when he got absolutely robbed blind by Gabriel Maestra there for the WBA interim world welterweight title. Everyone knew what happened there, and the fact that, that um, you know, that, that Michael Fox hasn't in some way been, uh, what's the word, compensated is just baffling to me. I mean, the WBA have kept him in their rankings despite being inactive f- for 14 months, but it's not really good enough. I think he's ranked number 12 or whatever in their, in their rankings, but he should have been the interim champion. Um, and yeah, since then, 14 months out of the ring, you know, he hasn't had an opportunity come by easy. And he did say to me a few weeks ago when I had him on the show that this was one of the only opportunities on the table against the Mean Machine. It's a, it's a, it's a really hard fight for for Michael Fox this one. But I feel like he's getting the Mean Machine at the right time, and I, I pray that he wins this fight. Lovely guy, Michael Fox. And then the main event, Sebastian Fundora, the towering inferno himself. We like to see him fight Eddie. Not only is he six foot five and a half, he's also a southpaw. He's also young, and he's also, I think, getting in that work with David Benavidez. Nineteen and zero with a draw gets in with Carlos Acampo. Thirty four and one. The one loss came to Errol Spence back in twenty eighteen. Little bit of a padded record, if we're going to be honest with you. In fact, I say little bit. Quite, quite quite heavily padded if I had to say so um, there aren't many recognisable names and yeah the biggest fight of his career was when he got knocked out in just one round by Spence um, yeah which was quite terrible when he fought Spence in Texas but anyways that is that let's talk about this final fight here um, I guess it's all about Sebastian Fandora he's not going to be able to knock him out in just a round I wouldn't have thought so but he's on such a run and I think there's a lot of people you know, every fight he seems to be having, we're believing more and more in him and his capabilities and the fact that he could very well be a future world champion. He's on quite a run, beating Erickson Lubin last time out, Sergio Garcia the time before that, the Spaniard who is a really good fighter, beat Ted Cheeseman. And um, yeah, he's on a bit of a run. Jorge Cota b- before that, Habib Ahmed before that. Guys, The guy's in good form, um, but particularly I know that you were impressed with that Ericsson Lubin victory. So it's good to see him back out here against Carlos Acampo, the towering inferno, the six foot five and a half south already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I like I like the fact that, you know, he, he doesn't he, even though you know he's six five or six six or whatever his tight height is, um he doesn't he I'm not saying he doesn't use it at all because he does some of the uppercuts 
and some of the combinations, some of the shots he throws at range are, are you know, good for a tall guy to use. But he comes to fight. He's not coming to, you know, take his time or or just measure, you know, uh, uh, range. And, you know, he's not a boring kind of fighter, to be honest. And, uh, and, and it's an exciting thing. It's an ex- exciting thing to see. He kind of reminds me, not necessarily uh, uh, style-wise, but it, maybe situational, if you think about it, like with a Diego Corrales. You know what I mean? Like I say, he fights a little more tall than Diego Corrales, but, you know, Diego came and he was – all he was thinking about was that, was action. He was thinking fight, fight, fight. And this guy, this guy kind of gives me that same kind of feel. Not necessarily the same style. Like, it's different. Like, he does some things. He uses height in some ways. Obviously, Diego didn't use it much. But he has the capabilities, and he's a good enough fighter, definitely, beyond good enough to win a title. I think he's definitely a, a future champion. It all depends on who's there and whether or not they can deal with him. I think he's going to – I think he, he makes it a very, very difficult challenge. That size, uh, the punching power, uh, the, the ability overall. Uh, he's, a, he's a special guy, and he's, you know, the fact that he's a really big, tall guy uh, just makes it even more interesting. So I'm looking forward to his career, and this, this is obviously another step in the right direction if, he can, if he's able to win. Yeah, it's always good seeing him fight. And as you say, for a big guy, he does come to fight. He does make it interesting. And he does have the same reach as Vitali Klitschko, which is crazy for a fighter at 154. <laughs> what? What? There you go. Are you kidding me? Nope. Six foot eight, Vitali Klitschko. And he got six Anyway, he's six foot six. So, jeez. Vitali was six seven, wasn't he, Vitali? Yeah, six seven, six, Vitali. Six, Vlad was six say, six, wasn't he? Yeah. What they, they what they say, they say they were saying six seven six eight, hmm. but Vladimir is one of the biggest six foot six you've ever seen in, in 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 period. So I really don't think he's six foot six. I think he's almost six seven or six seven, and I think Vitaly for sure is six eight. But that's just me. I was uh, I I I fought Dimitrenko and he seemed very similar in size to more so to Vitaly than uh, Vladimir. But I mean they're all big. What the hell? I mean it's a half inch in between them. But, you know, that is, it is what it is. There we go. I love to pull out a little statistic there that takes people by surprise. That was, that was cool. And yeah, that's, that's, that's crazy. So he's got a longer reach than you, Eddie, which is mad. A 154 fighter. But anyway. Wow. (laughs) Anyway. That's that's saying a whole lot, Joey. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, that, that wraps up the preview part of the show in part one. Tickled me that uh, part one we did the the news the the review part and then the news and then we welcomed our special guest Harlem Eubank support him this weekend you have to he's a good guy Harlem as I'm sure you all know and then in part two we did the preview part the final thing for me to do to wrap up this show entirely is to come in with the outro which I'll do in just a few seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 364 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A special shout-out to this week's guest, the undefeated, super lightweight, Mr. Harlem Eubank. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. As I mentioned earlier, the interview with Harlem was recorded before the news that Conor Bennett failed a Vada drug test had broken, and so was the review and preview segments as well. 
Um, at this very moment, at 2pm on Thursday, October 6th, the card itself is still up in the air about happening. The press conference today was originally scheduled for 1pm UK time, and it was pushed back to 4pm, which is two hours from now. Um, so as of right now, no one is 100% sure what's actually going on, so I apologise if you were a bit confused by me previewing a fight that's in jeopardy and potentially not going to be taking place. But as I said, we recorded that segment before this stuff was made public. But yeah, that's about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.